0: This is the read and rant. Every morning we come together and we engage in the scriptures. We spend about 20 to 30 minutes reading scripture every morning. And then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes um, reflecting on scripture. I call it a rant because I really have nothing planned. I got nothing planned for y'all. I got nothing. Uh, I'm simply coming to reflect on what the Lord is speaking into me today. So you're kind of eavesdropping on my um, uh, morning rhythm, my general, my morning rhythm. But I also uh, believe that it's a powerful endeavor for those of you who are maybe new to faith or are looking to grow in your faith, that the most powerful thing you can do aside from a regular habit of prayer is to get into a regular habit of reading the word. And this is the thing, right? Is when you read the Word of God, um, you don't need to spend hours and hours. I, mean, I think sometimes people think you need to spend hours and hours and hours reading Scripture, but you don't, right? You don't need to read. You don't need to spend hours and hours reading Scripture. Just twenty to thirty minutes of Scripture reading a day could transform your life. And also, I want to show you that reading twenty to thirty minutes a day gets you through a large portion of Bible and a large portion of Scripture. There are those of you who've been journeying with us since last year. Those of you who've journeyed us with us from the beginning since last year, you've read the entire New Testament with me, and now we've gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and now we're going to be reading 1 Kings today. We're going to be reading 1 Kings, so we're starting 1 Kings today. So it is, uh, it's is—it's a powerful endeavor, and I know many of you have already shared how transformative this has been for you, how much it's changed your life, and how much even the time of reflecting on the scripture has opened your perspective of the Bible to see the Bible in a whole different light because I think a lot of us have grown up with what people have said about what the Bible says and not enough of us have actually sat down to read it for ourselves to realize man This thing is way different than what I thought it was. It's not what I thought it was. It's not what people have told me it was. It's something completely different. And I hope that I'm illuminating you to that reality. I hope that I'm giving you that kind of insight and that kind of perspective. Um, And so anyway, and I'm also encouraged guys by those of you who are now uh, supporting me on Patreon. For those of you who are patrons, what you're doing is, is that you are providing an opportunity for me to now focus my time more on this. The Read and Rant podcast, these are things I never had planned, but now I'm diverting more of my intention and more of my time on the Read and Rant podcast. And also I'm creating new content, Bible studies, teaching and training, because now I'm realizing that this has become a a profoundly um, um, fruitful endeavor for those of you who have engaged in it and so um, I just want to say for those of you who have become patrons thank you so much if you want to support me on Patreon it's going to open doors the current patrons that we have right now have not opened the door for us to do our monthly Bible studies and so I'm excited about that next month we start our Bible study and actually I think I'm leaning more towards doing a whole study on Revelation because Revelation is not what people tell you it is and what people have taught to you about what it is or people say it is yes it's about the end Times, but not in the way that you think. It's about an end times in a time and now with implications to our end times today. And so I think for those of you who are um, engaging, maybe you read on the read and rant, and a lot of you have said, Man, that reading rant on Revelation changed my life. I never thought of Revelation this way. I never read Revelation this way. And all I did was read it with you to show you what it was saying. And so now everybody's like, I need you to explain more. I need you to teach more, explain more because I need to have a better understanding because now I realize I've been reading Revelation wrong and I've been taught Revelation wrong. And so um, I'm excited about that. I think we're gonna do Revelation, the book of Revelation first. Um, and so that'll be one of the first things that we do on Patreon, but it's your support that has allowed that. And we've reached our first tier of patrons. Now we're praying about the next tier of patrons. So please support us by becoming a patron. Um, but that doesn't change anything here. We're going to keep doing this read and rant. I'm going to keep sharing this with you guys. Um, but yeah, for those of you who are on Patreon as well, um, I'm providing you this read and rant, it'll be available to you right afterwards. It's a little bit of a bonus since it will end up being on the podcast anyway but it's a little bit of a bonus for you to get it right away. If you're looking to get into that, but let's not belabor the time. Let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. We're going to start with first Kings today and we're going to pray these three things. We're going to ask the Lord first, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second thing that we want to ask is God, what are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question that we want to ask is, Lord, what are you revealing concerning me? Okay. These are the three questions that we're going to ask as we engage in the scriptures today. Thank you so much for the badges. Thank you so much for the gifts. Let's begin. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you have given us the privilege, Lord, of engaging with you in your word. Father, we thank you for the gift that is your word. Lord, your word brings life. Your word brings deliverance. Your word feeds us. Your word heals us. So, Father, we just thank you Lord, that you've given us your word. Bless us, Lord, as we engage in this word. Father, reveal to us your heart, your will. Lord, give us insight. Give us correction, Lord. Speak to us through your word. Illuminate us to the truth of who you are and your plan and what you intend to do. Father, transform our hearts as we engage in your word today. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's get right into it, y'all. First Kings chapter one. First Kings chapter one. And it says this. Now, David was old, advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Therefore, a servant said to him, let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our Lord, the king. Let her stand before the king and let her care for him. Let her lie in your bosom that our Lord, the king may be warm. So they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all the territory of Israel and found Abishag, the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely and she cared for the king and served him. But the king did not know her. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother was born him after Absalom. Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with with Abiathar, the priest. And they followed and helped Adonijah. But Zadok, the priest, Beniah the son of Jehoida, Nathan, the prophet, Shemei, Rei, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fattened cattle by the stone of Zehuleth, which is in El-Rogel. He also invited all his brothers, the king's son, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan, the prophet, Benaiah, the mighty men, or Solomon, his brother. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you heard that Adonijah, son of Haggith, has become, a, has become king? And David, our lord, does not know it. Come, please, let me now give you advice that you may save your own life in the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king, swear to you, your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, "'Your son Solomon shall reign after me, "'and he shall sit on my throne. "'Why then has Adonijah become king? "'Then while you are still talking there with the king, "'I will also come in after you and confirm your words.' "'So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. "'Now the king was very old, "'and Abishag, the Shunammite, was serving the king. "'And Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king. "'Then the king said, "'What is your wish?' And she said to him, My lord, you swore by the lord your God to your servant, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. So now look, Adonijah has become king, and now, my lord the king, you do not know about it. He has sacrificed oxen and fattened cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the sons of the king, Abiathar the priest and Joab, the commander of the army, but Solomon, your servant, He has not invited. And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my lord, the king, after him. Otherwise, it will happen when my lord, the king, rests with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. And just then, while she was talking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. And they told the king, saying, here is Nathan the prophet. When he came in before the king, he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today and has sacrificed oxen and fattened cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the king's sons and the commanders of the army and Abiathar the priest. And look, they are eating and drinking before him. And they say, Long live King Adonijah. But he has not invited me, me, your servant, nor Zadok, the priest, nor Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, nor your son, nor your servant Solomon. Has this thing been done by my Lord, the king? And have you not told your servant who would sit on the throne of my Lord, the king after him? Then King David answered and said, call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king and the king took an oath and said, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, surely Solomon, your son, shall be king after me and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed her with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, let my Lord King David live forever. And King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehuida. So they came before the king. The king also said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule and take him down to Gihon. There, let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel, and blow the horn and say, Long live King Solomon." And you shall come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, and he shall be the king in my place, for I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah, the son of Jehuidah, answered the king and said, Amen. May the the Lord of my Lord, may the Lord God of my Lord, sorry, the king say to, as the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my lord king david so zadok the priest nathan the prophet benaiah the son of jehoiada the cherethites and the pelethites went down and had solomon ride on king david's mule and took him to gihon then zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed solomon and they blew the horn and all the people said long live king solomon and all the people went up after him, and the people played the flutes, and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth seemed to split with their sound. Now Idanjah and all the guests who were with him heard <clears throat> heard it as they finished eating. and when Joab heard the sound of the horn, he said, "Why is the city in such a noisy uproar?" While he was still speaking, there came Jonathan the son of Abiath are the priests. And Adonijah said to him, come in for you are a prominent man and bring good news. And Jonathan answered and said to, said to Adonijah, no, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites, the Pelethites, and they have made him ride on a king's mule. So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet has anointed him king at Gihon. And they have gone up from there rejoicing so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise that you have heard. Also, Solomon sits on the throne of the kingdom. And moreover, the king's servants have gone to bless our Lord, King David, saying, May God make the name of Solomon better than your name. And may he make his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. And also the king said thus, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Who has given one to sit on my throne this day while my eyes see it? So all the guests with Adonijah were afraid and arose, and each one went his own way. Now Adonijah was afraid of Solomon, so he arose and went and took and took hold of the horns of the altar, and it was told Solomon saying, indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon, for look, he has taken the hold, taken hold of the horns of the altar saying, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Then Solomon said, if he proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent him to bring him down from the altar. And he came and fell down before King Solomon and said to him, go to your house. Chapter two. Now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways. Keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgment, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, you know also that Joab the son of Zerah did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, Abner the son of Ner and Amasa the son of Jether, whom he killed, and he shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. Goodness, David. But show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, the Gilead, the the Gileadite. And let him be among those who eat at your table, for they came to me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. And see that you have with you Shimei, the son of Gerai, a Benjamite from Behurim, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when he went to Mahanaim. But he came down to me at the Jordan and swore, and I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless for you are a wise man and know you ought to and know what you ought to do to him, but bring his gray hair down <laughs> to the grave with blood. So David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years, <clears throat> seven years. He reigned in Hebron and in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years. Then Solomon sat on the throne of his father, David, and his kingdom was firmly established. Now, Denisha, the son of Haggith, to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So she said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, say it. Then he said, you know, that the kingdom was mine and all Israel had set their expectations on me that I should reign moreover. The kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now I ask one petition of you, do not deny me. And she said to him, say it. Then he said, please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you. That he give me Abishag, the Shunammite, as as wife. So Bathsheba said, very well, I will speak for you, the king. So Bathsheba said, Very well, I will speak to you for you, the king. Verse 19 Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So she said that Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah, your brother, as wife. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, now why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother for him, and for Abiathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord saying, may God do so to me and more also. If Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now, therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David, my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. Hmm. So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down and he died. And to Abiathar, the priest, the king said go to Anathoth to your own fields for you are deserving of death but I will not put you to death at this time because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David and because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted so Solomon removed Abiathar from being a priest to the Lord that he might fulfill the word of the Lord which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh then news came to Joab For Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. Let me highlight that. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord, and he took the horns of the altar, and King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar, then Solomon went to Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, "Go strike him down." So Benaiah went to the tabernacle, of the Lord and said to him, "Thus says the king, come out, and he said, No, but I will die here. Beniah brought back word to the king, saying, Thus says Joab, and thus he answered me. Then the king said to him, Do as he said, strike him down, bury him that you may take away take that you may Take away from me and from the house of my father the innocent blood which Joab shed. So the Lord will return his blood on his head because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he and killed them with the sword Abner the son of Ner, the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah. Though my father David did not know it. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his descendants forever. But upon David, the descendants, let me highlight that. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his descendants forever. But upon David and his descendants, upon his house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, went up and struck and killed him. And he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. The king put Beniah the son of Jehoiada, in his place over the army. And the king of Zadok, and the king put Zadok, the priest, in place of Abiathar. Then the king sent and called for Shemei, and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there. Do not go out from there anywhere. For it shall be on the day you go out and cross the brook Kidron, Know for certain you shall surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. And Shimei said to the king, the saying is good, as my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. So Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. Now it happened at the end of the three years that two slaves of Shimei ran to Akish, the son of Makah, king of Gath, and told Shimei, saying, look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shimei arose, saddled his donkey, and went to Akish at Gath to seek his slaves. And Shimei went and brought his slaves from Gath. And Solomon told Shimei who had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and come back. Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you go out and travel anywhere, you shall surely die? And you said to me, The word I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I gave you? A king said, moreover to Shimei, you know as your heart acknowledges all the wickedness that you did to my father David. Therefore, the Lord will return your wickedness on your own head. But King Solomon shall be blessed and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck him down and he died. Thus, the kingdom was established in the hand of of Solomon, thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. I'm going to stop right here. I think it's a good place to stop in our time of reading. Uh, so if you've been here with us for the past couple months, you know, that what we, what we've been doing is we've been journeying through the entire Old Testament. And what I hope has happened for you guys, as you've been journeying with me and reading with me the scriptures and reading it for yourself, not from what somebody else has told you about what it says, not from what, you know, somebody else is influencing you to read, but to simply just read it for yourself to read what it says. You would see that the scripture is about so much more than what we've often grown up in church being told that the scripture is about. And you would see that it's it maybe it would have very little to do with what maybe you've grown up thinking what, about what the scriptures are about. If you've read up to this point, you should know, right? And you should see now very clearly. I hope you see it. If you don't, you're going to get there but what you should see very, very clearly is that the Bible is not supposed to be read as an instruction book on spiritual life. There's guidelines in it, but that's not the primary purpose of it. And what I hope you're seeing from the moment that you've read Genesis, if you would allow yourself to deprogram From maybe things that you were taught in Sunday school or, you know, maybe, you know, in church and things that were preached to you over and over again that you may now, at least at this point, see that the scriptures are about something maybe totally different than what maybe you presumed it to be. That from the moment that you've been reading from Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus to Numbers and to Deuteronomy, what you're what you're reading is not a law, but what you're reading is a story. That's why I hate that we've when we've categorized the Bible, right? We see that the first five books of the Bible, uh, some of, some have categorized those first five books in the Bible as the law, the Torah, right? And so it's called the law. When the reality is, is that very little of it is law, right? Most of it is a story. And in that story, there's a law. Notice that when you begin to read the Bible as a story, then you get the richness of the heart of God. One, two, when you read the Bible as a story, you, you prohibit yourself from falling into the temptation of inserting yourself into a part of scripture that you have no place being in. You have no place being in, but rather something that you ought to witness that will bring light and understanding to your life today. Are y'all catching me? Because if you sit there and you read it and you insert yourself into it and make yourself part of the story, then you lose the whole purpose for why the story was written in the first place. You miss, you miss, you miss the whole point. And for a lot of people who grew up in church or who grew up with some kind of church context or grew up being taught about, well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that, and you ought to do this because the Bible says this because the Bible says that because the Bible says this. When you hear people say that they actually don't know what they're talking about they're reading little slivers and pieces of scripture and reading those little little slivers and pieces of scripture missed the whole point of why they was written in the first place. You get stuck on, you know, these laws and these rules, not realizing that those laws and those rules were not written to you, but rather they were written to a people for a purpose, which the story is revealing to us. So I say that because At this point, I hope, that's my hope actually for you, is that you're getting now this full, rich story. You're getting the full aroma of what the scripture is actually speaking about and what the scripture is actually saying. Because if you have, then you'll realize this is, I should not be inserting myself into this because this has right now nothing to do with me and at the same time, everything to do with me. It has nothing to do with me, meaning it was not written directly to me, but it has everything to do with me because everything that's happening here is what dictates my destiny today. Where I am today, the purpose of my own existence today, why I'm even here. This is the whole purpose of it is when we read this, we're reading this as a story so that the truth of what that story is revealing is being told to me That will now bring me to an understanding of why I'm even here and what my place and purpose is on the earth. Why I'm here at this particular time and in this particular moment. So we don't read this as some kind of uh, manual for Christian living. No, we read this for revelation. Revelation of why we are even here, why we even exist and what God is actually doing on the earth. This is not about what I ought to do. This is about what God is doing. This is not about how I ought to live. This is about how God is bringing life. This is not about, you know, how we, this is not primarily about how we govern our lives but primarily about how God is establishing his government on the world and on the earth. This word righteousness is the word justice and where the word justice is, there's a law and where the word there's a law is, there's a kingdom. This is about the kingdom. We talk about the kingdom of God and we talk about the kingdom of God. We, we talk about the kingdom of God as if it's something that's, mystical in the sense that it's not something that you really can understand and fully see and, and fully get and fully perceive. The kingdom of God is like this this floating idea and this concept. This, this kingdom of God is this kind of just weird reality, kingdom of God. Like I've heard that term before, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God the kingdom of God and what what does he mean by that? And, And what is the kingdom of God? And a lot of us miss it because we're too busy reading this story as if it's a book of laws for how Christians ought to live. And that's not what the Bible is about. The Bible is about how God is establishing his kingdom on earth. Even Jesus. Jesus made everything about the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Interesting, right? How he says seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness because the word righteousness in the Bible is justice. I just recorded a TikTok I might post it today, who knows. It'll eventually get posted on TikTok. But I posted a TikTok today that that the kingdom of God is about justice. It's about righteousness. It's about what's right and what's wrong. And it's about God establishing his righteousness and his justice. And what God is doing is, is God is establishing his justice in our hearts. And he's establishing his justice over all the earth because he's establishing his kingdom. So his kingdom is about his, That's why he says, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus spent almost all of his time preaching about the kingdom. As a matter of fact, recall what Jesus died on the cross for. Yes, he died for our sins, but this is not about God just healing your heart and your sins and forgiving you of your sins. This is about so much more than that. This is about the kingdom. Remember what they wrote up on top of that cross when he died on the cross? It said, this man is the king of kings. This was always about the kingdom. And of course, when when it was asked, well, what is the kingdom? Or well, where is the kingdom? And where can we find this kingdom? Jesus is saying, told Pilate, you're looking for the kingdom. And it's as if it's something that's floating up in the air, but he said, the kingdom is within you. We'll get to that. But I wanna bring awareness and light to you that from the beginning, what God has been doing is, is God has been establishing his kingdom. And he's establishing his kingdom under the wrestling and the influence of the other kingdom. Any kingdom that is driven and moved and motivated by anything other than the righteousness of God is demonic. It's satanic. It is what we call Satan. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. Like I said before, y'all I ain't got no notes I'm just ranting I'm just sharing what 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 the Lord is working in me as I'm reflecting on our reading today as I'm prayerfully reflecting on our reading I just want to bring light to that so I can give you what really the Lord is convicting me of and compelling me to share with you today because I have to you know there are a lot of people who think of Satan when they think of Satan they think of Satan as this 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 you know this red figure with red eyes. It's really scary. And he has a pitchfork and he sits around and he stands on like your shoulder. You seen that, right? Where he's on your shoulder telling you bad things to do. And then there's this other angel on this side who's telling you the good things to do, the right thing to do. And, and you're always wrestling between which one you should do. And so we think of Satan as this pitchfork. We think of Satan as this evil looking, ugly figure with fangs. And, and so we have this idea of what Satan is when Satan is none of those things. Satan is actually very beautiful. Satan is none of those things. As a matter of fact, Satan is a system. Satan is the anti-God. It's the system that is other than. The word Satan literally means opposer. There's a systemic opposition to God. And that systemic opposition to God is Satan. And Satan came into Lucifer and Lucifer became what we know now as the devil. Satan is the opposition of God. And so when we think of Satan, we think of just the devil, but they're not one in the same in the way that people think of it. Satan is the opposition. Satan cannot be simply seen as just a Person, in the sense of, oh, that you know, Satan moves around. No, Satan permeates all things. Okay, he's in all things. Y'all understand? So, therefore, when we think of Satan, let's not think of Satan as you know, this guy with horns and a pitchfork and all of that. If you think of Satan that way, you're thinking of Satan in ignorance. That's 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 an ignorant perspective of Satan. Okay, Satan is not the evil guy who's whispering in your ear. No, Satan is actually a system. Okay. It's a system. And that system influenced Lucifer the moment that Lucifer said and saw himself highly. As a matter of fact, saw himself equal to God. We're going to see revelation in that when we read Ezekiel, because Ezekiel gives us insight into who Satan is. When we see the serpent at the garden, The serpent at the garden who was an embodiment of Satan. The serpent was a system that influenced Eve. Eve ate of the fruit because Eve was now being influenced and governed both Adam and Eve influenced and governed by a government other than God. Anything other than the glory of God leads to pain, suffering, strife. Everything that is broken and wrong in the world is not, it does not come from outside, but comes from within. It is sin that came into the world and we allow the system in through Satan. You know, um, I'll submit the, for, this following reality to you, and then I'm going to get to my point, but I'm going to follow. Thank you so much, Pirtis. Um, I'm going to follow, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help you understand this because I think for many people, we have this really weird understanding of the kingdom and a weird understanding of, of Satan. And we, we have this weird understanding. Satan is not as scary as you think. He's not the scary thing that you look at and that, that that evokes all this fear. in you no Satan actually tries to create fear in you. So that way you can't see the authority that you have. I will submit this Satan has no authority on earth, except the authority That mankind gives Satan permission for. Why am I ranting about this? I got, I got, okay, I got 20 minutes. I'll get to my point. Um, um, Satan has no authority on the earth. Satan has no power on the earth. Satan cannot do anything on the earth. Satan is a joke. We have given Satan power, we have given Satan authority. Matter of fact, the devil had no permission on the earth. What did God do? God, when he created mankind and he, he decided to establish his rule on earth, God established to his rule on earth through humanity. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then he said, let them have dominion over the earth. That's his kingdom. You know, dominion means rule. There cannot be rule without a kingdom. There's a rule because there's a kingdom. And so he gave mankind rule over the earth. God rules the earth through humanity. God rules the earth. Let me say this one more time. God rules the earth through humanity. I'll say something else that's provocative, that gets a lot of people upset, but that's okay because, you know, if you don't like me, you don't like me. You like me, you do, whatever it is. I'm just, we're going to eventually get to it when we read it, but I want to make sure we're getting up to what we've been reading up to this point is, is that mankind God, because he does not place his word above himself, God giving mankind rule, God will not do anything on this earth without human participation. God will not do anything and cannot do anything on this earth without human beings because he has given human beings authority over the earth. He said, let them have dominion. God is not going to give mankind dominion and take it away from him. No, mankind's rule, God rules and mankind is his ambassador and he's given him rule over there. Therefore, if God is doing anything on the earth, he's doing it through humanity. And this is why we see all throughout scripture, all the things that we're seeing through the story of what God is doing. We're seeing all these things happening because this is what God is doing to establish the earth. He's working through human beings and through human interaction and through human life to bring restoration on all the earth. I'll say something else. Everything that is broken in the world is because of humans. And everything that is good in the world is because of humans. That's bad as well. That almost sounds heretical, doesn't it? Except every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from above, inspired through humanity, given out. He said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. We are imagers of God. Therefore, if mankind has dominion and authority over the earth, mankind's authority is over the enemy's authority until Satan until we submit to Satan's authority, then our authority now is diminished below Satan. Satan has no power. What Satan wants us to do is he wants us to be convinced to his way of thinking, his way of living, his way of doing things. So that way we would submit ourselves to it. And in submitting ourselves to it now, we have given Satan power over us. This is why there are wars. This is why there's pestilence. This is why there's disease. This is why there's abuse. This is why there's pain. This is why there's sex trafficking. This is why there's slavery. This is why there's injustice. This is why there's homelessness. This is why there's poverty. This is why there's all these things because we have diminished ourselves and submitted ourselves below the authority of Satan. And so because human beings couldn't get it right, and because God can only do his work through human beings, God had to come in the form of a human being. Had to come into flesh in order to bring justice and righteousness to the earth. And that's why he became man. He became man because that's the only thing he could do. Because God could not enter this earth without humanity. He needed to be a part of humanity, he had to become human. And that's what he did. Why am I saying all of this? I'm saying all of this because if you understand now that salvation, if you understand clearly now that salvation is not just about you going to heaven but about God establishing his kingdom on earth, do you understand that all of this was all a part of God making things right. He did not say we're going to leave to go to the kingdom. He said his kingdom comes. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom. Why am I bringing all this up? I'm bringing all this up because what we're hearing and what we're reading is a story of the kingdom of God. We're hearing a story of the kingdom of God. That's Satan who has no power. right? Satan has no power. Satan has no authority. The only power Satan has is the power that we give him permission for. And because Satan has no power, a lot of the things that we battle today the struggles that we're facing, a lot of the pain that we're encountering, we want to give credit to Satan, but the reality is we have to give it credit to sin because Satan has no power. Satan, Satan, Satan revels in our ignorance. <laughs> Satan, the system that is Satan, revels in our ignorance. The more ignorant we can be about who we are, the more power we can give and permission to Satan. I've, I've said this before and I'll say this and then I'll get to my point because my, my point, man, I feel like I'm I'm taking too much time to get to my point, uh, but this is my rant. So I guess it's a rant. So the, your standards should be real low about a cohesive thought. I'm just sharing where the Lord is leading. Um, Satan has no power. Satan only has permission. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. Satan has no power. Satan only has permission. And we give him permission. Satan has no power. You may be fighting the the devil. You may be saying, I feel like I'm fighting demons and fighting the devil. I got all these things that I'm fighting and wrestling with and all these things that I'm... Satan has no power. He only has permission. And the permission that you give him comes out of your ignorance. Satan can do nothing to you. Absolutely nothing. He has no power. And yet this is what Jesus came to do is Jesus came to bring revelation to that, to show that there was no power in the devil, that the devil has already been defeated, that we have victory over the devil. We already have power over him. The only power that we see now is just the permission that we give, and the permission that we give comes out of our ignorance. You know, there's some people right now who are dealing right now with oppression. Wow. There are people right now who are dealing with oppression at night, struggling with, with demonic influence and, 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 and you're afraid, not realizing that what the enemy wants you to do is to be ignorant, that he has no power over you. And so if you can get him to think, then you can hide in your corner. Pray and ask God for help. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And yet not realizing the devil has already been defeated. He has no power. He actually has no power. Only the permission that we give him in our lives. And any power that he shows on the earth only comes out of our permission. And that permission comes out of our desire to glorify and to please ourselves. We give the devil power, permission because we want power and we want control. That's why there are a lot of churches today. I call them demonic churches. Yeah, I said it. I'm sorry. I think I had a, I think I had a rant a few, a few months ago when we were talking about Canaan, the Canaanite church. They're churches that are demonic. They're churches that they they have crosses. They worship the Lord, the Lord, but they're really satanic churches. Man, this is so tough. They're satanic churches because they're not governed by the kingdom. They're governed by politics, Satan. They're governed by culture, Satan. They're governed by their own desire of self, Satan. They're governed, So they're not really preaching Christ. No, 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 no. They preach culture and society and politics and economics. They preach all these things, not realizing that what they're doing is they're submitting to a higher authority. They're, sorry, they're submitting to a lesser authority, making the lesser authority the higher authority. Satan is a system. So many churches are being run this this way. So many, um, um, we see so many communities and are being run this way. Religion is run this way. Religion is garbage. Religion is garbage. I know, I know some people right now, they're, they're like, what is this guy? I thought he was a pastor. I thought he was a pastor. Religion is garbage. Religion is satanic. Religion is a system. That's why atheists are, are atheism is a religion as well. It's a system that opposes, deflects, and distracts from the glory of God. And because it opposes the glory of God and distracts from the glory of God, that system is satanic. It's Satan. And yet, what did Jesus ask us to do? He said to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And yet, all we're looking for is a system. If you're looking for a system, and you're looking for something organized and And a bunch of rules that you have to follow and the things that you have to do and which president is God's president and which president is not God's president and which president, those of you who think Biden is of the devil. And for those of you who think Trump is of the devil, and for those who think Biden is God's choice uh, is, is, is of God. And for those of you who, who argue and say Trump is of God and that we sit there and we argue about which government is God's government. Neither one is it's Satan. We don't realize that in our churches, we have churches that operate like governments, not the kingdom. Yes, we have churches that operate like governments. We have churches that do, um, you know, it's all, it's about elections it's about who they choose. It's about who has the best voice and who has the greatest speaking ability and who has the best knowledge and, and who gets to get the position of power. It is that power or who has the charisma so we do elections and we vote yes we do elections and we and we vote as if that is a godly thing when there was nothing godly about it i'm sorry but we elect leaders and bishops we elect the pope pope is by election not realizing that it's just a government that is not god's government so we we make the church now become the same institutions that are of this world, the system of this world, not realizing the church is not of this world. The church is not an organization. The church is not a system. The church is the body. And we talk about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, and yet we're looking for a king. And so we look for a king in our pastors. We look for a king in the prophets. We look for a king in those who who have the charisma. And then we get confused about why those kings hurt us. We made kings out of these people, and we wonder why they hurt us. We wonder why they abuse us. We wonder, and then you know what we do? Because there's some folks in here who are in this place right now. You're in a place of pain because you made somebody king over your life, who you made them God, and when they abused you, they hurt you. When they inflicted pain upon you, you then said it is God's fault, not realizing that you were never supposed to make them king in the first place. You made them king when they were never kings. You made them God when they were never God. And because you made them God and because you made them king, when you got hurt or abused or whatever it is that happened to you with that particular person, you had a God problem now because of what that priest did to you because of what that pastor did to you. Not realizing you were never supposed to have made that person. God, that person was not God. That was Satan. That was Satan. That was Satan. That was a system. I'm sorry if I speak with boldness on this, because this is the impetus of the reading that we're reading today. God gives David a promise Cause up to this point, this is about God establishing his kingdom. His kingdom was lost at the garden. And from that moment on, God has initiated a story about how he has established his kingdom on earth, how he's reestablishing his kingdom. And we see that he's doing it through this story. And in the story, there's Abraham. God makes this promise to Abraham that he's bringing righteousness and justice, that he's establishing a kingdom overall. But this kingdom is a kingdom of priests ruled by a government that's not like our government, ruled by an institution that's not like our institution, but not an organization, but an organism. He's, he's telling, he's telling, we read it already. We read it in Genesis chapter 12. We read in Genesis that God is, is instituting a new family that's going to bring justice and righteousness. From Abraham, he will father many nations. There will be a fathering. And then we see the story of these people who continue to fail, continue to fall apart. All that's happening. This is a story that we're reading about what God is doing. Yes, he gave them a law. He didn't give you a law. He gave them a law to separate them, to make them holy so that his righteousness can be fulfilled through them. And they failed over and over and over again. And now we get to judges and the, and the judges continue to fail and fall. And then we get to First Samuel. And First Samuel is now the prophet. He's the prophet that's ushering the king. Who does he usher? He first ushers Saul because Saul is the satanic kingdom. Saul is the Canaanite kingdom. Saul is what they wanted. Saul was not what they needed. And now we see David who was was chosen. And now David has been chosen. This little shepherd boy, this shepherd. You know the word shepherd means pastor, right? The word pastor means shepherd. Now this little shepherd boy who's a pastor, pastoring sheep, shepherding sheep, is now being called to be the king, the shepherd king. He calls a shepherd king now to shepherd these people. This is God writing a story. This is poetry, family. This is divine poetry. God is writing the story. And now the shepherd king comes to God. And we read it just just a couple days ago. In 2 Samuel, that now he wants to establish and build this tabernacle, but then God makes a promise and says to him that the tabernacle will not be built by him, rather that he will make a house in his people. The house of worship will not be where you go to, but the house will be where he resides and he's making them a house. He's making the people a house. That's what he told David. You can build the tabernacle all you want, but this is not going to be my house. My house will be my people. And now he's saying he's going to make his people a house. And so he tells David, it's not going to happen with you. You got too much blood on your hands. And we see David now at the end of his life. But David had that promise when he wanted to build that tabernacle, that there would be a king that would come after him. And that king that would come after him would bring righteousness and justice. And now we're in first Kings. And we just saw all the drama of what's happening in first Kings. We saw the drama of Solomon. First it's Adonijah. Adonijah is Absalom's son. Adonijah is killed by Absalom. Sorry. Absalom is killed by Joab under Joab's um, jurisdiction. And now Joab goes and connects with Adonijah, his son, to be king. Because remember what I said to you last, last, the last time we read, when, when, when David never wanted Absalom to be killed, Joab was the one that permitted it. Joab was the one that did it. Because Joab didn't care about what David wanted. Joab was simply against what David was against. And the moment would come when Joab would fail. Him. And it happened there at Absalom. And it's happening again. Now he's joined alliance with Adonijah. I'm finishing because I'm out of time. Because we're going to talk more about this. And David, who hears it, quickly proclaims Solomon king. Solomon becomes king. Adonijah now, you know, all the people scattered from Adonijah, there's so many messages in all of this, but I'm getting to my point. We see now the battle of man's will and God's will. Adonijah, Absalom's son, represents man's will, but David represents God's will. And now we see God's will at odds with mankind's will, and yet God's will prevails because God is establishing his kingdom and he's doing it through Solomon. And we see now how it all ends with Solomon. First of all, I hope you all notice Solomon does not start off clean. Solomon starts off with blood on his hands. Solomon executes all the guys who coordinated against David and against his rule. He did it in part because David told him to do it as he's dying, but he also did it to preserve himself and his mother Bathsheba. And it ends with, in verse 16, the last verse that we read, as he reestablishes his rule and his government, he says, So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck him down and he died. Thus the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. Solomon establishes his kingdom on blood. It's not a clean start. And what we're going to learn is that Solomon doesn't start clean. He's known for his wisdom and his insight. He's been given the gift of wisdom and he's going to amass wealth. We know all these things about Solomon. But we're going to learn that Solomon's kingdom not only doesn't start well, doesn't necessarily end well either. And yet God is writing his story because this was never about Solomon. Solomon was not the hero of this story. David passes it on to Solomon, but Solomon ain't it. How do we know that? Because Solomon builds the tabernacle because Solomon cannot be the tabernacle. We'll get to that tomorrow. All this to say that I want you to be aware today, as you as you go, about your day to day. If there's anything that God, that God is compelling me with today, as I'm reading this word, I see Adonijah, all these tensions, all these wars, all these battles, all this pestilence, all this stuff that's happening. And the only thing that God is convicting me of today is that this is about his kingdom. Even in the midst of the tension, the disagreements, the fights, the wars, all these things that are happening, even against injustice, things that don't look right, blood that's being shed, all of it. This is about the kingdom of God. And along the way, it's going to be messy, but there's a promise to hold on to, that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I ask today, Lord, as we navigate through this day, as we engage with this day, Lord, how messy is life? (laughs) How messy is it? that we see so much things that are happening in the world, in society, and culture, in our homes, in our marriages, in our lives, Father. The things that we're encountering, it's hard for us to see your kingdom. And yet we know that this is all about your kingdom. This is what we're being convicted of today, Lord, is that we know that this is all about your kingdom. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would keep us grounded. Lord, establish your rule in our hearts, establish your kingdom within us, establish your kingdom. Show us, Lord, the promise of your kingdom, even today with all the disagreements and all the things that are transpiring. Father, bless us. Lord, guide us and lead us today in all that we do that we would follow the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, God bless you guys. Again, I want to thank all of you who've become It's your support on Patreon that makes the the things that we're gonna be doing in the upcoming months possible. I'm able to let some things go to be able to commit to this. We're building out a little studio back there now with your support. Um, For those of you who are interested in becoming patrons, become a patron, please. I'm I'm asking for your support. If you believe in what we're doing here, we're gonna be doing in-depth Bible studies. Uh, I found doing an in-depth Bible study on the church, just what is the church, because we don't teach what the church is and what we see today as a church is not the church. We need to teach what the church is, like from a biblical perspective. Um, I'm gonna be doing a Bible study on Revelation because a lot of you have asked me, hey, we did the reading rant on Revelation. I want a Bible study on Revelation. It's because of your support now that I'm able to prepare in-depth Bible studies for you. So I'm putting some work in to do that as well. Um, we're gonna be doing some some studies on the idols of church culture. I wanna do some studies on things that we believe is church when it's not the church and there's no biblical evidence to prove there is a church. Like the building is not a church, right? Um, your Sunday service is not a church right? Um, The Sunday sermon is not a church. Church is not church because people worship on Sunday. There is no day to worship. We need to teach all of that Um, because some people argue it's on Saturday, others argue it's on Sunday. It's none of those things. It's neither Saturday, nor is it on Sunday. So we need to teach all of that. So I want to you know, I want to prepare these teachings for you all. And so um, you guys have provided that for us by becoming patrons. So I want to thank you guys. If you are interested in becoming a patron, just go on Patreon. The link is in my bio. It's the first, once you go, once you click that link, the first one says become a patron. And with a $10 a month support, it would go a mighty long way. It's actually because we've gotten to our first tier of patrons that we're able now to be able to let some things go and to really focus time on doing a monthly Bible study. But once we get to our next tier of patrons, we're going to be doing a weekly Bible study and all the content will be available to you. Also, this reading rant will be available audio podcast format for, for the patrons. So I'm going to actually get on here. I'm going to post it to you guys. So you guys have it available to you right away um, just as a bonus. But even if you're not a patron, my rhythm still stays the same. I'm not changing anything that I was doing before. I'm going to keep doing the same thing. I'm going to do my reading rants. I'm going to post them on the Read and Rant podcast, which you can download for free. Um, it's on Apple and it's on Spotify, uh, and it's available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We post it. This one will be posted maybe a few weeks from now, but I want you guys to commit to that. Read with us, journey with us, catch up in the scripture with us. Uh, but if you're interested in supporting what we're doing please become a patron. Uh, I'm looking forward to it because you guys are an answer to prayer for us as we're moving into a full-time commitment into this. So you guys are the ones that make this a reality for us to do this. So God bless you guys. Love you all. I will see you tomorrow. Peace out.